Welcome to Why Is with Ty and Dan. This week we discuss Tom and Jerry ruining everything. Knock, knock. Who's there? Why? Why is the title wrong? That's that not my joke. name. <laughs> <laughs> All right, welcome to Why Is with Ty and Dan. All right, we'll go straight into the MCU news. All right, we actually have one bit of news that I'm not going to talk about. That's that I don't want to talk about Blade because I don't care about it. I like Blade. Anyway. <laughs> Our first bit of news is <laughs> James Gunn has no more plans currently with Marvel post Guardians of the Galaxy three. He said us on an Instagram uh live not Instagram live, but like an Instagram story Q and A. Uh he did say that he has some more ideas to work with D C, particularly mentioning working with Margot Robbie some more. However, this is not a DC podcast, so I don't really care about what he's gonna do with Margot Robbie next, unless she's gonna be the bad guy in Guardians Three, but that's not what that implied. So, uh, so anyway, so what do you think about James Gunn saying he might be done with Marvel? Um, I'm uh, he's had a good run, so I'm honestly uh, content with it. I mean, we're, we'll get what we get, but uh, I'm excited for Guardians. You can't really blame him for being mad about how right stuff is gone. Yeah, <laughs> so I'm I'm excited for Guardians Three and the Guardians Christmas Special. So we can't can't forget that one. So I'm looking forward to seeing I, those. Um, I am looking forward to his rendition of Suicide Squad, and where else he will go with DC. Even though I'm not big on DC, I probably won't watch much else like outside the realm of of that. But uh, but yeah, no, James got he's will he be the first MCU director to fully direct like an entire trilogy of films uh well it depends what comes first if ant-man 2 comes first that will three comes first that will be the first that's true to do it. yeah uh i'm trying to think of anyone else no yeah uh, he'd be the first if ant-man he, he would have been the first if it wasn't for the whole firing thing mm-hmm. uh well you know he also i don't know if you are aware of this as a side note uh even though this is a marvel podcast as you know how it be uh He's also working on a Peacemaker show for HBO Mask, which will star John Cena as his Peacemaker character in Guardian, not Guardians, uh, what do you call it? Suicide, suicide Squad. squad. That, yeah. that thing, that thing he's doing, you know? Yeah, yeah, the, the, the Suicide Squad. Uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, I think it's kind of a bummer uh, for a lot of reasons, uh, but I also, as I said, I can't really blame him for mm-hmm. being done with Marvel uh, I still hope he's getting a ridiculously huge paycheck for Guardians 3 because of that old thing that went down. Um, but I also would say that we've constantly heard Thunderbolts as this thing that James Gunn really wanted to do. And if he's not at Marvel, I'm curious if it's not going to be done or if it will be done by someone else. I will also say that it is... Um, I think doing Suicide Squad might kind of... Suicide Squad and Thunderbolts are kind of similar. Yes. Yeah. So I don't really. He might be like, "Well, I got it out of my system anyway. I just got to do an R-rated Suicide Squad movie, and Marvel's not going to do any R-rated stuff." 
which is the blade new time refusing to report on. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he, yep. If he's done with Marvel, that means no more Thunderbolts for him. So. Yep. I, he's not said he won't be doing Thunderbolts, but as we know from the scheduling conflicts with Guardians 3 and Suicide Squad, he most likely will not be heavily involved in the MCU if he's working with the DCEU. So, which, you know, I'm, I'm curious. I'm still curious how Suicide Squad will be because my hot take on the Guardians. Well, it's not a hot take. I think the Guardians movies are like Marvel's like best stuff, uh, probably. Period. Honestly, Guardians Two is like the most personal Marvel movie we've gotten from anybody. Uh, but moreover, uh, my fear with Suicide Squad has always been. I think James Gunn works really well in Guardians because he's keeping himself in check. He's giving himself PG-13. I'm curious how James Gunn re- returning to the excess of the R rating will work for that film. Hopefully it works. I would like to see James Gunn be successful. Uh, but, you know, we don't really know anything about that movie. Yeah. Uh, also, this is a Marvel podcast. <laughs> Although I'm sure we'll both watch Suicide Squad. Maybe we'll talk about it in the green room. Because uh, the only rule is you can't talk about MCU movies there. Right. Tyler. The only rule. Moving on. <laughs> all right so moving on is uh we have a title for spider-man 3 uh which by the way initially we got three separate titles for it it was spider-man phone home it was spider-man home Wrecker, and spider-man home splice uh of these three i was really liking phone home uh what was your favorite of the fake titles of the fake titles i uh liked the home Wrecker. And yeah, and yeah, I, Andrew Garfield. we could get Homewrecker. Yeah, we could get other Spider-Mans coming in, or it could be a reference to uh, we get a Gwen Stacy in the MCU and uh, coming in because at the end of Far From Home, we get Peter Parker and MJ again. Um, we get that relationship starting, and uh, then maybe the Homewrecker would be Gwen Stacy. Who knows? But, I just think about, like, in the Amazing Spider-Man movies, uh, how Andrew Garfield is like, hey, the best promises are the ones we don't keep, and he gets both the dad and Gwen killed <laughs> doing that. Uh, yeah. like, oh, yep, he definitely wrecked that home. <laughs> uh, well, so the title is officially Spider-Man No Way Home. Um, before we really get into our thoughts on the title, uh, I want to ask you, like, I know you're not a fan of this title. What would have you titled it? Uh, presuming not you weren't going to title it Spider-Man Homewrecker. Spider-Man Home on the Range. And oh, it's okay. a Western. <laughs> you, that's, that's... you are getting me tempted to go on my rants about the song Come on the Range because I have one. Uh, <laughs> I, I really do. Uh, but I won't. <laughs> Unless you really want it to. You know? I, I don't think I don't. Enough. I don't really have... Um, I mean, a nice... And I've seen this this one um presented before spider-man home sweet home um and that one i think would have been a a nice way to close a trilogy out um as for titles uh, but sorry yeah i liked spider-man the one that was going around that i really liked was spider-man home run because the idea was it was going to be him on the run Mm. and uh i was like yeah that works uh I also, uh, well, my, my personal ones, I well, my joke one that I wanted was The Amazing Spider-Man 3. 
Because I think that'd be incredible to if if Andrew Garfield is really bad, just to tell us on the Amazing Spider-Man three because we never got one, mm-hmm. <laughs> and we could be like, well, Tom Holland's the real Amazing Spider-Man, you know, like how, you know, like how the whole Evan Peters thing is going right now in Wandavision. Cough, cough. We'll get to that later. Uh, but I also like. Well, this is. <laughs> This is what I saw. That like this would have broke the internet in the worst possible way. It's what the title was: Spider Man. Home is where the Stark is. Oh my! <laughs> oh. Uh, but anyway, so what do you think of the title? Title Spider Man No Way. Well, what if this is Sony's subtle way of telling Marvel Studios that they will never give up the rights to Spider Man? <laughs> that Spider Man has no way of returning back to Marvel Studios. Um. This. After the homecoming, there's no way home. Right. <laughs> so, uh, there's no figurative way home for our guy Spidey. I mean, seriously, though, I'm interested in how the title describes the film. Because we know Peter Parker is back in New York City at the end of Far From Home. We see him and MJ swinging through the city before his identity is revealed by J. Jonah Jameson. Um, so, if there is no way home... Has he been extradited to another country for criminal charges of killing Mysterio? Remember that happened in, happened in London. And while that's a possibility, I think this is more confirming that Spidey will travel into the multiverse, hence being away from home and not having a way home. And Doctor Strange, played by Benedict Cumberbatch, um, who has been confirmed to be in Spidey 3, will help Peter get back to where he needs to be. Yeah, I think it's more likely. Yeah, I agree with the multiverse thing. Uh, I will also say on, well, this is we'll get into this more whenever we talk about Far From Home extensively on this. But I remember my letterbox review bluntly says on Spider Man Far From Home was like, well, I guess I'm done with this series because I think this is stupid, and I still think it. Well, okay, I think the idea of Spider Man having his identity revealed to the world is just so. It just doesn't interest me at all. Uh, the whole appeal to Spider-Man to me is that he his secret identity constantly makes his real life hard. Mm-hmm. And if we everyone knows that he's Spider-Man, like what's the point of that? And it's kind of also like okay, sidebar here on why I'm annoyed about the whole what the plot of Spider-Man three seems to be is is that this is twice a row uh, these Spider-Man movies they've set up something really good as like the cliffhanger and then it seems like they're going to do nothing with it because uh, to me spider-man homecoming i'm not big on either of the tom holland Spider-Man. i think spider-man homecoming is better though spider-man homecoming's ending where aunt may figures out i was initially like yeah but i was like you know it'll be cool to see like how that affects their dynamic mm-hmm. but then we don't see it affect their dynamic at all other than oh i guess i can dig tony stark's uh butler because i know you he's he's watching you as spider-man and it's just like, okay, you, you you promised me this really cool new dynamic of Aunt May, and you're not using her, and she's not going to be in probably in no way home much at all either. And in this last one, it's like, we were upending it and making it be like Peter Parker, it's Spider-Man, is something everybody knows. And it's just like, okay, like, how is that going to express itself in a story about the multiverse? Like, if it was just a movie from On the Run and, like, Craven hunting him... Mm-hmm. Like, that would be, like, a way to use it and go on with it. Um, I don't know. I'm not, I feel like... I don't like the Tom Holland movies because I think they're really weirdly 
they're weird. They just don't understand the character to me. And I know that's like a hot take because a lot of people are like, Tom Holland is the best Spider-Man yet. And I'm like, is he? Because I only like him in I only like him in one Marvel movie really, and that's the first one he's in, uh, Civil War. But anyway, yeah, Spider-Man No Way Home. Uh, I mean, as I said a few weeks ago. Maybe there is no way home, and they have to reboot the franchise again. I'd be okay with that. Oh my. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's what Doc- always have- it's just Doctor Strange searching the multiverse for the next Spider-Man. Just bring in Jake Johnson in live action. He'd do fine. He'd be great in Spider-Verse. I could see him as an adult Spider-Man. Or just bring back Toby. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Alright, and our last bit of news is that Loki will be airing on June 11th. Uh, great, we have a date. Uh, there's only two things to note to me on this: is that one, it seems as though it got delayed because it was initially announced for May, uh, which makes me wonder if Black Widow will be delayed. Which I think is, po- I think it's possible. Black Widow could be delayed a couple weeks. I think they could move it to Memorial Day weekend, mm. uh, and that would make a lot of sense. That would be like, well, because uh, not to get into like how vaccination speeds are coming out but the basic vibe i've gotten from like the news is that by early june and late may there will be some sense of normalcy in a lot of areas of the u.s and at that point they can start releasing movies and in that case i think delaying black widow just a couple weeks makes sense Mm -hmm. uh and then disney has cruella on that date so they can push cruella back too yeah uh but anyway uh, that so that to me might be why Loki was delayed is so that way Black Widow can have the end of May to itself. Uh, the other thing I got out of it was is that this means that What If is probably coming later than we expected because they announced all their Disney Plus release dates up until July and What If isn't on it and I assumed What If would have been in July if Loki was in May. Uh, so I'm guessing it might be in August if it's still in summer. Uh, I don't know. But anyway, what do you think about Loki? Um, I have one note on this, and it's maybe we'll get Mephisto in this show, and that's it. Hey, that was what my theory was last week, so yeah, maybe. Yeah. We'll see. All right, so that's the MCU news this week. I guess we could have talked about Blade if we wanted to, but no, I refuse. No Blade talk. Blade is banned. What? Canceled. All right, now we're going to go... In the green room, what, what, uh, mm, I think Tyler, I'm gonna let you talk first. Okay. Uh, yeah. Alright, so this week I watched The minim- the Minimalist Less Is Now. This is a Netflix documentary featuring Joshua Fields Milburn and Ryan Nicodemus, hosts of The Minimalist podcast and blog. Uh, I highly recommend checking them out. Uh, They have great and meaningful content, which brings me to what is at the heart of this film, meaning or or intention. The term minimalism tends to be placed in a box, and uh, it's the line of thinking is that minimal means only the bare necessities, so we need to live with only what is needed most in life. But minimalism does not necessarily mean scrapping everything. It is about only keeping what brings value to you. So they give a great example of this mantra. If you collect books and I and love the way that they feel in your hands and the smell of the books and you love sharing the books with friends, then talking about the books after you and your friends have read them, 
then obviously those books bring value to your life. Keep the books. Kind of like this podcast and us talking about WandaVision every exactly. week. Exactly. I'm sorry, go on. I just wanted to relate <laughs> Each that Each of fast. those items has an intention, <laughs> and that's really what minimalism is, living with intention, letting go of what is weighing you down so you may live freely. After our basic needs are met, so that's food, water, shelter, we compare our survival needs to that of our neighbors. In the 50s, those neighbors were the people living next door to you or just down the street. But now in 2021, we have many more neighbors. Our lives are so interconnected now because of the internet. We as a whole population compare our lives to others via social media and approve or disapprove others with a simple screen swipe. If LeBron James is wearing one set of Nike shoes one season, then changes uh, the shoe that he wears the next season, you can bet youth basketball players across the globe will follow suit. This consumerism is driving a supposed need for stuff, and that stuff adds up over time in our physical spaces. We think we need it, but deep down, a pair of a $20 pair of shoes from the department store will get the job done just as good as the $120 pair, $120 pair of Steve Madden's. Dave Ramsey compared this to a four-year-old trying to justify not getting Fruit Loops for cereal. Um, and when he said that, that really, that really put that into into perspective. Um, uh, just to note, Dave Ramsey is one of the people featured in this documentary as well. Um, the cool hip thing about minimalism is that it is different for every person. So the main question you need to ask yourself is, am I my stuff? And if I am, who am I? It, uh, Joshua Fields Milburn said it best. Minimalism is the thing that gets us past the things. Then we realize it's not things that actually matter the most. Um, so it's there is Danny. You had mentioned earlier that uh, there is a documentary that they had put out before this one called Minimalism, <laughs> and it is. I actually do prefer uh, Minimalism to this one. This one was much more like a refresher and uh and just a it was a nice reminder and there were new new bits added added into it it wasn't just recycled recycled content um so i did did enjoy that um well now that you mentioned the other one i have to mention the top review on letterbox for this yeah which is by a user named stephanie she gave it two out of five stars i have no opinion on this movie i just want to quote this uh review uh which is wouldn't it have been more minimalist to just have one documentary? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have no... And for once, Tyler picks something I've never heard of, which is kind of karma, because I always pick stuff he hasn't heard of. <laughs> So it's okay. Uh, but yeah. So uh, this this film was directed by Matt Diavella. You can find his YouTube channel uh, linked in the description. And I highly encourage you to check him out. He does some fantastic and meaningful work. You can also find The Minimalist on YouTube and Apple Podcast, and we will have a link to their YouTube channel also in the description. Um, it was a great film. It's about an hour long. I highly recommend it. Um, I also recommend the other documentary, Minimalism, with it. Um, I prefer minimal, Minimalism. I'd give, if we're going with, the st- with five stars um, as the basis of the rating, I'd go... Four out of five for this one, and five out of five for the first one. 
as a side note, and this will work as a transition to my thing, is personally, uh, this is actually a note for anyone who follows me on Letterboxd, because they might be wondering, and I've never really answered on my Letterboxd, is that I don't rate foreign films or documentaries unless I think they're really great or really horrible, in which case I'll give them the 5 out of 5 or I'll give it the 0.5 out of 5. Because I don't think I'm educated enough, personally, uh, like to compare it to other stuff within that. Because I don't think... Well, I think, obviously, do, I think documentaries are a different medium than narrative. And then I also think, for foreign films, it's just, I think, there's a lot of times where I get a emotional disconnect because I'm reading it. Uh, which is why, generally, if it's a foreign film that makes me cry, I'll give it a 5 out of 5. Because um, it beats that emotional disconnect that I get. Um, but anyway, uh, that leads me on to what I'm going to talk about today. Which is a foreign film called A Writer's Odyssey. I went to go see this on a whim because I saw it was screening in um, it was screening at my local movie theater, and I was like, "Well, I already saw Judas and the Black Messiah, and there's really nothing like I could see Wonder Woman again." But we're at that point where we are out of new movies for me to watch until Tom and Jerry comes out this weekend, which I don't even know if I'm gonna bother saying, and Ryan the Last Dragon comes out next week. So I was like, well, you know what? Uh, I think it's it. Um, this is actually something I do normally during the normal times is um, back in the normal time <laughs> is there's a theater by where I work that inexplicably gets the Korean films, but not like Parasite or like a movie burning, which I don't think anyone listening to this might. I think maybe a couple people that know it. That's like an art film from Korea, from a couple North, North Korea, South Korea, a couple of years ago uh, that got tons of rave reviews. Uh, and I ended up having to see it at the music box because I was really mad that the theater that gets all the Korean movies didn't get it. Uh, but it gets, like, Korean blockbusters. So I sometimes go see those, and they get Bollywood movies, too. And I'm like, yeah, I'm down for a Bollywood movie. It could be fun. But I've never actually seen a Chinese blockbuster, even though, obviously, China is one of the biggest uh, movie markets right now. Well, not even right now. Like, for the last few years, it's been. Uh, so I went to see this because I was like, huh, that premise seems kind of weird. Uh, and honestly, uh, as a heads up, this is not really going to be a review of the movie. It's more going to be a recap because I think this movie is something where I constantly said, what is going on? Like audibly during the movie, <laughs> I was very confused for a lot of it, but not like, like the plot was very straightforward. Like I completely understood why things were happening and what I was more confused. Why it got a budget. <laughs> I was more confused to read the script. And I was like, ah, yes, <laughs> we'll give it a... $50 million, $60 million, because it looked really good. It had a budget, but I was just, okay, so the movie opens with our hero, who I don't remember the name of, uh, and he's having a dream, and it's, he sees this fantasy world, but then he wakes up on the side of the road, he sees a truck coming by, and he has superpowers, all right? <laughs> they don't explain how these words, it's kind of like X-Men, right? It's, it's kind of like they're just, they later on go like, there's a ton of mutants in this, and yeah, so they not they don't say mutants, but you know that's what it is. Like people have weird abilities in this world. Uh, we want you to take down someone else. But anyways, his special ability is he can throw rocks. <laughs> he can throw <laughs> rocks really good. <laughs> he can throw well, rocks and does, them. Hold on, does he have to pick them up and throw them? Yes, he. Does. Oh my! <laughs> he throw he. But like he, it's introduced to us that he throws a rock like straight forward and it curves down and adds speed like a meteor. To break through the windshield of a truck. So it's like the bullets on Wanted. Sure, like, I haven't actually seen Wanted. Oh, I haven't I think, either. Yeah, I just know. About, like, they, they aim, right? 
Like, they can auto-aim, right? Yeah. So that's basically what it is. Anyway, so he hits the driver of it. And so the car goes to the side of the road. Uh, he pulls the driver, the, not the driver, the passenger out. And he goes, where is my daughter? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay. It's one of these movies. And the guy refuses to answer. Uh, and the driver ends up waking up and hitting him with a shovel. And then it's revealed that his daughter... Uh, I'm laughing. I want to point out. I'm about to say something that sounds horrible. That I'm laughing at, but I'm laughing at it just because, as a story, it makes no sense because it's so dark compared to everything else in this movie. It's really serious, though. His daughter was kidnapped by human traffickers earlier, like six years earlier. Uh, which, like, it's awful. It really is. But it's also very confusing why it was chosen for his motivation in this movie. It's very dark compared to the rest of everything going on. Uh, but anyway, so he's on the hunt for the person who kidnapped his daughter. Uh, but then he's framed for being a human trafficker because they put him in the back of the car after they knock him out and call the cops on him. Uh, so then he's at the cops. He's in the cop car. And he sees uh, <laughs> the cop obviously took the picture, the one picture he has of his daughter as evidence, right? That makes sense. Uh, his response is to go, give me that. And they're like, I'll give it to you at the station. And he just starts kicking the guy in the face. <laughs> Completely escalating the situation. <laughs> and then he escapes somehow. And there's this woman waiting for him that he's never seen before in his life. And the woman just goes, come with me if you want to find your daughter. And he's like, what? How do you know I have a missing daughter? And so he gets in the car, and she reveals, she goes, I know you've been having these dreams about a fantasy world. It's just like, how do you know that? And she's like, well, your choice, she's like, and then he's like, I don't want to go with you because I'm freaked out that you know this. And her response is like, well, okay, then I'll call the cops on you. So she's like, all right, fine, I'll go with you. Oh my goodness. And Okay, so that's the... Okay, I haven't even got to the real plot of this movie. Uh, so she takes him to her boss, who is like this tech giant. But before he meets the boss, they load up basically a Twitch stream, okay? And the Twitch stream is insane. It's this guy who wears... Like, have you ever played the game Okami? Mm-mm. Or heard of the game Okami? Okay, that's it's kind of irrelevant. It's just like a wolf. Like, he's wearing a wolf mask on his Twitch screen. And he's like... They're like, this man has been dictating a novel... And we believe that the novel affects the boss of our tech giant. <laughs> and what happens is that the fantasy novel is like we see him go like Lord Redmain had a uh, Lord Redmain suddenly had a huge headache and his blood vessels started bursting and it cuts to the guy on stage, the tech giant on stage, having a blood vessel break. <laughs> uh, this is the first twenty minutes of the movie. Uh, I'm going to wrap it up because I know we don't have a lot of time for me to recap this movie. But there's one other element, which is that the fantasy novel part makes up half of the story in this movie, actually. Like, it is shot like a fantasy novel. And the weird thing about it is there's a lot of parallels to the real-life story in it. Because the actual story is this guy gets hired to kill the novelist. Uh, but then he becomes friends with the novelist. Uh, and then eventually he discovers... Uh, plot twist but also i think there's enough random stuff in the movie that you could still get enjoyment out of knowing this is that somehow his daughter okay first off he discovers his daughter is dead uh but also his daughter's name is in the book 
So he's like, well, if my daughter exists in the world of the book, then at least she's alive somewhere. <laughs> uh, oh my. But... <laughs> so did did you did you enjoy enjoy this movie or <laughs> I, I I was always I was never bored. <laughs> I was always always amused by what happened in it. Uh and the one last thing I want to mention in the fantasy world is so there's all these parallels to like the real world in it, but there's also inexplicably he gets a parasitic armor on him who talks to him. And it's just the venom ripoff. That's all it is. It's like there's just randomly like a ripoff of venom in this movie. Oh my. <laughs> yeah. And it's it is I have to I have to recommend whenever this is on streaming like six months down the road, uh, have some fun with it, get a few beers or whatever you want to drink, and just enjoy for two hours. <laughs> it's a mess, <laughs> but it's it's a mess that I appreciated, uh, and I also want to give one last positive thing towards it is that I always hear Chinese blockbusters are very pro authority, very pro uh, imperialism. Uh, this this was about these guys trying to take down a tech giant. So I was like, all right, yeah, sure, down with down with the big man, yeah, <laughs> great. Um, but yeah, I haven't even gotten to the craziness of the climax, which I won't definitely recommend. <laughs> <laughs> a writer's odyssey. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, from this point on, we will be discussing the latest episode of WandaVision and possible Previously spoilers on. for future productions. We do not claim to have knowledge of said future spoilers, but will gladly take full credit if such come true. We don't address any leaks here, but if our speculations align, I guess it's a coincidence. So now we're going to talk about previously on Avatar. I mean, WandaVision episode 8, which is also previously on. So, first off, a disclaimer from me. Uh, I texted Tyler this when it happened, was that Alright, so yesterday, before the episode aired... So, again, as we've said before on the show, we both... At least me, I always wake up in the morning and I check the episode description and the episode length. And I go, oh, I'll watch it after work, you know? Because I don't think they're too spoilery. Uh, and I think it's good to go in having a basic knowledge of what you're going to get. So I'm not Tyler waiting for it to be an hour long. And then discovering it isn't. <laughs> uh, but... I also delete Twitter off my phone because the things always trend from the episodes. Like, always. Although, I think this week, the only thing that would have really trended was Scarlet Witch, which, like, that wouldn't have told me anything. Right. Um, well, you know what? I could see... Uh, spoilers, but we already gave a spoiler warning. I could see Grey Vision might have trended maybe in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. That would have been a spoiler, but I also got spoiled on that front separately. But that's not the funny part of the story. Well, okay... Grey Vision was implied to me, but I don't think that affected my opinion on the episode. But what did was, I did look up, I was curious about, I follow this film critic, Robert Daniels, who's a really great critic. Uh, his Twitter feed is at 812 Film Reviews, and I, wanted, I knew he was seeing, I knew he watched Tom and Jerry on Thursday night. I was like, oh, I hope he tore apart Tom and Jerry, I'm really curious. So I searched Robert Daniels on Google because I deleted Twitter and it gives me his most recent tweets and I have to go through he's never tweeted about WandaVision before but there it is is the first thing I read is and I'll quote it directly this WandaVision he has a typo uh sorry Robert uh, but I'm gonna say that and I think you actually say later on the thread that you eventually did that you 
if Robert Tantel's listening to this podcast. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so this WandaVision episode was terrible. Sorry. This series, as much as with much of the MCU, overexplains a lot, but this episode was entirely made up of overexplanation. Uh, dreadful dialogue, too many callbacks, and what did emotionally hit was severely weighed by down by unnecessary filler. So, I went into this episode expecting it would be rough. And, um, I do want to also say, is I, my immediate response to you after the episode was like, I think it was the second worst episode. But, after really thinking about it, that was just me being hyperbole. Like, that's hyperbole. I don't think this was, I think this was mid-tier. Uh, I think this was just an average episode to me. And I, but I also think that this tweet got me there. Because I think if I hadn't seen this tweet, I would have liked, I liked it less, possibly. I think this tweet lowered my expectations to the point where I was expecting the worst and I got something that was a mixed bag. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Uh, Tyler, you can start with you since I just kind of gave what my overall opinion on the episode is. Before we get into the discussion, you can just give your general opinion just so people know where we're both coming yeah, from. Yeah, you know? I really dug this episode. Um, I thought... So we're going to have fireworks. <laughs> <laughs> the gloves are on. Um, I thought it was a good way to do a flashback. It wasn't your typical uh, sitcom of I'm, you know, characters sitting on the couch and just daydreaming about the past. Um, this was this felt like a natural natural flashback. Um, questions were answered while new ones were presented. So uh, overall, I I really really like this episode and i've not had a favorite episode so far but i think this one would be my favorite of of the series well i well okay first off i'm holding off on any best episode discussions till next Mm -hmm. week uh because i think because we haven't really discussed this much uh but i would imagine next week isn't going to be much speculation based yeah you know it's because We'll be like, well, next year in Doctor Strange too. Like, you know, that's that's all we really have to mm-hmm. speculate on, uh, and that's a bit far off anyway. Uh, but we will probably do like best episode, MVP stuff. Like, we actually should discuss that after we record. Yeah, but that, that's a side note uh, for us. Uh, but my one response to you before we get into the recap there is, I don't think I saw sitting on the couch and doing a clip show episode would have been bad. This is a show that parodies sitcoms. Mm-hmm. Uh, if we had built it into the episode a bit differently, I, I think it's all execution regardless. Um, I don't think this being a flashback episode is inherently bad. I don't think there's a lot of. I think, I think it's all execution based. That didn't work work for me. Is my point. Gotcha. Uh, but we can get into that more in specifics when we go for the recap. And I will say positively. That at least we didn't have any sword scenes this episode. <laughs> uh, all right. Although we kind of did, but anyway, we'll move on. So at the at the beginning of the episode, we actually have a uh, a bit of a flat. We have a flashback of Agatha when she was young. Agatha um, back in 1693, Massachusetts. So uh, exactly how old is Agatha? And what has kept her alive since nineteen or sixteen ninety three? Um, because she seemed younger in sixteen ninety three. So Marvel using their patented de aging 
uh, tech. Right. Because they're too lazy to cast younger actors. <laughs> so <laughs> at some point we will discuss the de aging tech. Not not this isn't a good time for it. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> but go on. But yeah, sorry. But yeah, my my point is how old has she? How old is she actually? Because she seems younger in the sixteen ninety three um, scene that we have, but also. We don't know if she's not been around for longer than than that. You know what I mean? Well, for her to live yeah, from yeah, 1693 yeah. Well, okay. to 2023 well, is okay. when this This kind of goes set. to something I, I will talk about later. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wasn't too bothered by that uh, because I remember Tilda Swinton, right? Uh, to me, she she's implied to have been around for quite some... She's the ancient one yeah. in Doctor Strange. Uh, and I presume the witches are tied with the same use of magic that Doctor Strange uses. It doesn't make sense to me to have two different rules of magic in the world, you know, and also knowing that Scarlet Witch is going to be in Doctor Strange too, right? Yeah. Uh, so I presume that it's the same type of magic. So to me, I was like, oh, okay. You know, it's kind of just like what the Ancient One has, Mm. I can assume. And, like, we don't even know, like, how old, like, Wong is or Baron Mordor is, too. Like, we just assume that they are Doctor Strange's age. But, again, with Tilda... Because Tilda's confirmed to be very old and her character, the ancient one. I, I just... I just I love Tilda Swinton. So, she's just Tilda Swinton. Sorry, guys. <laughs> uh, but, yeah. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> Do you... Do you want to say your next thing? Yeah, I yeah. I just, that, I just have say a. Uh, <laughs> I think she's practicing necromancy, and she's literally sucking the life out of others and using it for herself. Um, and see. Yep. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yes, on. and see. No, do you have more to say? Say. Something. No, that was it. Okay. Well, I actually think you might be right. Uh, you might be wrong. I, uh, you know, <laughs> that's just, that's the only answer. But I think if you are right. That would work good into a motive for her. Because mm-hmm. she sees that Wanda has created life first with Vision, uh, which we reveal later this episode, and she created life with the twins. Right. And if Wanda can create life, imagine if Agatha can create life and just drain it from it. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. It would save her a lot of well, issues. Well, because we know Agatha mentions later on that uh, she marvels at how Wanda has created life. And Agatha... Marvels. Agatha... For her to marvel at that, I would think that she would not, <laughs> she would not necessarily know how to do that or be powerful enough to, to do that. So, she seems pretty powerful. Yeah, too. she does though. Uh, my take on this scene is that it should have been the cold open of the episode, because mm-hmm. um, it's not really connected to the rest of it. You know me and my Marvel cold opens and my post credit scenes. I think they need to be structurally working. And I think this would have actually structurally worked as a cold open. We also got another comment on Wanda's accent. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I still think... Okay, here's the... Th- Maybe I'm crazy. Uh, I think Wanda's accent... I can never tell if nowadays if, like, she's using it... Like, if Elizabeth Olsen is using it or not. Like, particularly in the... Um, like, the... Like, okay. I think... <laughs> I guess this would be something that we'd have to specifically look for, but tracking her accent through this episode in the flashbacks, right? Because she doesn't have an accent in Infinity War. She doesn't. Um, 
did she have it during the scene where she goes to Sword's headquarters in this episode? I couldn't tell. I couldn't tell. Yeah, uh, the scene with Vision in Civil War, like right before Civil War, right? Because I presume that's when it took place. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, you know, it's just like, I didn't know as much of an accent there either. But now in this show, like when she went outside the bubble in the fifth episode, she had the accent. Yeah. So it's just kind of like, again, the inconsistency here just really has me lost. Uh, yeah, I th- and I'll get into inconsistency. I thought, I thought Pietro later. calling it out in episode four, I I was good with that, but calling it out another time, I'm like, when you get the when you get the audience aware enough of something going on, I, I you make your work weaker. And you know what I'm saying. Uh, well, like, uh, you are tying into a point I have later on in the podcast, which is why I didn't like this episode. But again, we're gonna wait to get there because if we jump, you know, if we jump that far ahead, it's gonna be weird jumping back. That's basically sure, you yeah. Know? Uh, but I, I agree that it makes the episode weaker. <laughs> <laughs> I'll leave it at that for now. <laughs> uh, just a nice Easter egg. There was a rune in the basement. Um, it was the first rune that uh, lights up. It looks like the M featured in the House of M comic line. And I just thought that was a nice nice little Easter egg. Not much, not yeah, much there, I, but... Yeah, well, uh, I think it's fair. Because I think it's interesting that this is... Um, everyone always is referring to this as, like, this is the take on House of M. Which makes everyone wonder, like, will this end the same way? Because, okay, I don't know if people listening to this know what House of M is. Maybe we shouldn't talk around it. Uh... But House of M is, like, I think the Scarlet Witch storyline mm-hmm. that everyone always talks about. Uh, basically, she creates a world, an alternate world, where mutants are is she adored. Yeah. Uh, and she rewrites Rhea. And it's House of M because it's House of Magneto. Because uh, in the comics, Magneto is her father. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, and that's what the... Sh- and the thing that happens at the end of House of M that's iconic is that she says no more mutants and like the mutant population is like severely decreased and the thing that everyone's been talking about is like if this is a house of M adaptation how do you adapt that moment uh i don't well to be clear here i don't think they will uh especially at the point we are yeah this is something maybe we could have been like maybe back when we got the evan peters reveal we could have been like oh well maybe they are going to do the big reveal Mm -hmm. again but like do now there's going to be mutants in the like you know like just have her say well let's have there be mutants yeah uh, but at this point I don't think yeah the story it would... seems to get on to the mutant thing I remember a, um a few episodes ago I talked about Monica getting her powers and I had posed uh, whether or not she was possibly a mutant that people who are brought into the hex and then go out and then come back in if they don't develop well no if they go out of the hex if they haven't developed um you know mutant the mutant gene and uh, i i think that we've not really got much more talk on it so it would it would make the show it would hurt the narrative if next week they're just like oh yeah everyone's mutants in here and you know it. I, yeah, I also just kind of have the issue of, like, so the whole appeal, like, okay, 
the MCU is going to have this big problem when mutants are introduced, right? Because the whole point of the mutants is that they're discriminated against compared to actual superpowered people. But the difference is they're born with their powers, whereas it, instead, instead of getting mm-hmm. them... Because Spider-Man isn't considered a mutant, right? And Captain Marvel isn't considered a mutant. Right. Uh, because they went through... Through, uh, they weren't through an act. Basically, the the thing about those heroes is that they went through some through an event that gave them their powers rather than being born with them. Oh yeah. yeah. Whereas in this case, if we were to make it so everyone that acts becomes a mutant, they wouldn't be mutants, right? There's no no one's going to persecute against these people who are trapped. Well, that's not true. People persecute for all the, the reasons they can, but it won't be the same point. Is my mm-hmm. thing? They won't be born with it, and that is the point of the X Men and the mutants and Marvel, uh, which is why I've always been very against. Like, I don't think she's going to be able to really create mutants because the whole point of creating mutants is that they've always been there. Uh, but that's way down. I don't think. And this will tie in for next point. I don't think we're going to get mutants introduced in the MCU for quite some time. Yeah. Whereas just a couple of weeks ago, it looked like we might be getting them pretty mm-hmm. soon. I think we'll get some jokes about it in Deadpool 3, though. Yeah. Yeah, that that would yeah. be... Would be... Uh, would be nice. Maybe mutants is a... Is in a, one, another universe. Another reality. You know what I'm saying? Like... Speaking of which, that ties into your next take. Which is... Pietro is fake, confirmed. So is he? Ugh. Who is he really? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like this is a title on one of those magazines that you buy—the like two-dollar magazines that you buy in the aisle at Walmart. It's it's in all caps. Pietro is fake, confirmed. <laughs> and then <laughs> subtitles of "Who is he really?" And then it's a picture of him like walking on the street. Like, looking behind him, and someone had to hide you know in a bush to take the picture. I did see someone point out, uh, what I engaged in the discourse of last week's episode after we recorded, is that in the post credit scene last week, Petro did not have his signature silver hair. Mm. Uh, well, Peter didn't have his signature silver hair, because, uh, if we can jump ahead to my point, and then we can go back to yours on this one, is that, once again, as we discussed in the Malcolm in the Middle episode, I hate, I hate, hate, hate that they're doing this, like, fake Patreon thing, because it recodes the Fox uh, Quicksilver as a fake Quicksilver. Uh, it's a disenfranchisement so, of, of those films, is what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. and I don't think that's fair, because they're, well, Days of Future Past is great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the upper two are... But... Quicksilver is good in all of them, even the bad ones. Uh, I won't get into that rant again, because if you really want to listen to it, it's just a few episodes back in the Malcolm episode where we talk about Malcolm in the Middle. Um, but I hate the term uh, fake Petro, which is why I, I, I vote that from now on this podcast, if I'm going to talk about Evan Peters' Quicksilver, it's gonna be, I'm going to call him Peter, because that's what he was. He was Peter Maximoff. He wasn't Petro Maximoff. Right. Uh, and that's why I am kind of like, yeah, I don't, I, it just annoys me. That's really it. It's just like, I really think it's gross to have Disney recode this stuff. And I know I'm just retreading stuff I said a few weeks ago, but I don't see the point. Like, why bring back Evan Peters for this? If Like, there is no point to it other than to try to recode what Evan Peters' Quicksilver means to audiences. Uh, 
there's no reason they couldn't have got another random actor or if they couldn't have brought back Aaron Taylor Johnson. And I actually think Aaron Taylor Johnson missing from this show is an issue at this point. Because I feel like the flashbacks very much work their way to not show. Yeah. And I think that... I, it doesn't make any sense. Like, okay, to me... Okay, we're jumping ahead a bit. But, like, Agatha... Yeah, you know, actually, no, we're not. We're at this point. Agatha's like, I gave you a fake Petro, and you just trusted him. And it's like, okay, but, like, why? Why didn't you just make a real duplicate of Petro what? if he is just your magic? Yeah, you know? Oh, that's true. Yeah. Because uh, she said like, she couldn't... She said the necromancy would have been uh, difficult with him having bullet holes and... Uh, yeah, yeah but she it's mentioned just like, that. But why? no, yeah, if well, she like, can't create. Uh, Agatha, remember, Agatha can't create things of her own. I agree with you. Like, okay, okay, but I want to. I want to argue the point that you're making, mm-hmm. which is just you're saying Agatha can't make it because because the writers can do whatever they want, right? Like the right, like that's that's my thing. Is like the writers can do whatever they want here. What is the reasoning behind this production-wise to pick Evan Peters to reprise the role? Because to me, there's no reason it couldn't have been Aaron Taylor. Okay, so yeah, your Uh, point point is that the writers box themselves in. The writers and the producers and the director. Is that like, unless there is a grand reveal next episode that this is Peter Maximoff that's been brainwashed from our dimension, which I don't think we're going to get because there's so much other stuff to wrap Mm -hmm. up. Um, like, to me, that would make no sense. Um, it's just, like, what is the point? Like, why why didn't we bring in Aaron Taylor Johnson? Because, yeah, I guess it's a cool Easter egg that you brought in Evan Peters. But you wrote it in a way that in this episode you can't address Aaron Taylor Johnson's Quicksilver's relationship with Wanda. Uh, because it wouldn't make sense to bring him back just for... Like, it wouldn't be affordable. You already used your guest slot on Evan Peters. Uh, and it's also, like, as I said earlier, and I don't know if I actually said this on this podcast to you, uh, but, like, we we see these clips of, like, and it was in the recap this episode, too, is, like, previously on WandaVision, we see uh, this clip of her at, like, a protest with her brother, but her brother's out of frame, and it's just, like, why? Like, why couldn't we bring him back for this? Because mm-hmm. uh, there is no reason. They're, like... I know the reason I gave was, like, he was probably shooting Tenant at the time. But he probably wasn't because this show wrapped up, had some filming to wrap up post-COVID. And Tenant came out in the middle of COVID. And you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, we're still in COVID. But you know what I mean? Like, Tenant was wrapped early last year, I mm-hmm. think. This show has been shooting since, like, last year, I mean, 2019. Uh, Tenant was wrapped by, like, mid-2019, I believe, in filming. Or late 2019 in filming. This show was filming, like through March 2020 before it had to go on hiatus of filming. There's no what, what reason they couldn't have worked around Aaron Taylor Johnson's schedule if they wanted to because that's what they do for, like, like Ben Cumberbatch. I don't know if you knew this, in Infinity War, he had they had to reshoot all of his scenes because he was shooting another movie first and then they're like, all right, we can bring in Ben Cumberbatch when he's done. Uh, we'll just, just stand in for most of his scenes right now. Uh, but yeah, anyway... Uh, there's my, I guess you did get a sequel rant to my rant a few weeks ago. Uh, and maybe, who knows? Well, okay, no, because here's the thing is, like, I'm like, who knows? Maybe next week they will reveal still this is uh, Peter Maxbot, but I don't think so. I don't think there's enough time to do that in a satisfying mm. way. Uh, and to the point where if they did do it, I'd be like, okay, this is too little, too late. Uh, but yeah. Yeah, I think, uh, I think after this week's episode, Pietro is actually good, <laughs> but Agatha was 
using him for dark intentions. Um, last week's post credit scene was more of a red herring, and Pietro will help Monica save Wanda along with Vision. Um, I, I would be down for I, that. I think that but... I think we're gonna get. This is really a yes. He is a fake Pietro, but I think that he still has his um, quick his speed his uh, super speed. I think he still has that power. Um, well, and I I don't I don't. However, I don't think that he is a Pietro or Peter from another dimension. I think this may just be another another just another dude um but uh he was just someone that uh agatha knew she could try to pass off as as pietro um my thing is uh i like that mm -hmm. idea i think actually there's an interesting parallel that you might have accidentally just made me land on which is that in this episode Jumping ahead a bit, but we'll discuss it when we actually get to it, is that it's revealed that want, vision, the vision we've been following this whole show is entirely a construct of Wanda. Mm -hmm. uh, and if Petro is entirely a construct of Agatha, I would say the logical ending would be Vision fights Petro. Uh, but I also think this episode doesn't lead to that at all. Uh, I don't think that is where we'll be going with this. I think, I think there is more Petro we'll get next yeah. week. I think there's more to reveal there if just... Why did you pick that face? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. uh, I think that might be revealed in a post credit scene next week, though. I don't think that might... I, you know what I mean? I don't think that's going to... that. I think it's an afterthought. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's very possible they'll be like, well, no, Peter Maxwell is still out there in the end, but okay, but we've already codified him. I'm going to drop it, but my point is, like, this episode outright says the one we've been watching in this show is fake. It's gross. I don't like it. Hopefully he's still a hero. <laughs> I don't necessarily think he will be... I Well, it's more I'm indifferent. I don't really have a thought one way or the other. Maybe you're right, maybe you're not. Uh, but yeah. So we know, uh, speaking of Agatha's powers, we know that Agatha is definitely jealous of Wanda. Um, I don't think her full motives have been revealed just yet. But, uh, but yeah, she definitely... Like, Agatha... I think at the beginning of the episode... Agatha has been accused by her mother of necromancy, which her mother says is the darkest of arts. But they, okay, they, let me make it clear. They don't ever explicitly say necromancy is what Agatha was practicing. Um, but it definitely seems that she took the life, the life force out of those other witches including her mother there at the beginning of the episode um but she can't create life like we had said Which is kind earlier. of what i was tying yeah if she can if wanda can create vision who again i say is asterisk alive because he's still a robot sorry sorry wanda <laughs> he's a robot uh he can't convince me otherwise uh but my point is is like you know asterisk alive uh but then in this show we see she's created children uh yeah if you can create ch life you're you can drain life to live can't you just basically leech off her as a life force which again ties into mordo who knows if we'll see him next week 
I'm starting to think we won't see anybody. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so um, I thought I thought Catherine Hahn has done a fantastic job as well, Agatha, but I see you've got a note here about yeah, her. Yeah, I feel bad for her this week. Uh, she's saddled with this really weird recappy exposition this whole episode. I'm not just talking about her big thing at the beginning where she's like, Oh, well, actually, Petra's fake, and this is... Fa- I'm talking about, like, how, like, we see this big scene. Uh, this is me jumping ahead a bit, but we'll talk about it afterwards. Is, like, we see this big scene where Wanda is, like, with her parents. And afterwards, she goes, like, oh, poor Wanda with her parents. Like, yep, we just saw that, Catherine Hahn. Thank you for telling me that. And you guys watch sitcoms every night. Yep. Mm-hmm. We, like, like, she just recaps literally the entire scene we just right. saw. And this didn't initially bother me until, like, I talked to a couple of my friends about the episode afterwards, and they're like, the worst thing about it was how Catherine Hahn just had to do this exposition. I'm like, yeah, you know what? It was really bad. I just kind of tolerated it because it was like Jimmy Woo in this show, this entire show, is that I think Catherine Hahn is inherently a charismatic actor just like Randall Park is. To the point where I'm like, yeah, I can tolerate this. I, I like that she's being gloaty about it, but it's also like, it's very, um... It's very... Have you seen Spectre? The James Bond movie? Yes. Okay, well, <laughs> well, Christoph Waltz in it, his big thing is like, it is me, James. I'm the author of all your pain. And then he like goes into a monologue about how like he was uh, he was actually the bad guy in Skyfall and Casino Royale and Quantum Assaults. And it's just so ridiculous. That he was Agatha all And that's along. what it kind of... Even though, thankfully, we did not get to that point in this episode... Mm-hmm. I was definitely getting the vibe with the monologues that it was kind of like that. And it's weird because I felt like, the okay, so last week the ending was fantastic. Agatha all along, the song was great. I thought it existed to prevent this, you know? Because it was like, well, we're going to get rid of all that exposition in a song. So you guys don't need to sit through an episode of monologuing. But then we did! <laughs> we did have to sit through an episode of monologuing. So what was the point of the clever reveal if it's like, Yep, it was me all along, but then next week I'm still going to be, like, explaining my motivation to you constantly. Mm-hmm. So, okay. And this is the second time in the show I feel like they've had this really great ending that's kind of cliffhanger, but it's fun enough that... Well, okay, the other one is very blatantly a cliffhanger, but it's fun enough that I'm like, okay, that's fine. Um, but now it's like, this is what we had to do afterwards. I'm just like, oh, never mind, it's not as interesting. And the other one is the Evan Peters reveal. Uh, which again was like, you know, oh, cool. They're introducing the Fox stuff in this show. And then we're very quickly revealed, actually, we're not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's just like, and this kind of goes with my thing where this is the first episode of the show where I felt like it would have maybe worked better in a binge format. Uh, and I hate saying that because I think, I think, okay, sidebar rant. I think people who are like, man, it sucks that Disney didn't drop this whole show at once. So dumb. Such a... I'm sorry. If you have that opinion on this show, you're dumb. (laughs) Like, this show is clearly designed to make... You're supposed to theorize as you go along. Like, it has bluntly said that is what the show is meant to be. And maybe you don't like this metagame or not. But if you don't like that part of the show, great. You could have waited till next week to binge it. You're totally available for you to binge next weekend. I'm probably going to re-binge it next weekend because I... Exciting note here, guys. I might be appearing on every show to talk about this, another podcast to talk about this. Uh, and I'll talk about that next week uh, because we're going to have him on this show too. It's going to be a nice little exchange. 
uh, foreign exchange program. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, I think this episode might work better in a binge format, but that doesn't really mean like that's a disservice to this episode because the rest of the show works as a weekly show. Uh, but anyway, uh, and this will lead into your next point is I will say that despite Catherine Hahn, and I don't think Catherine Hahn sucks in this episode. I think her material sucks. Yeah. yeah. I think she does the best she can with it. Uh, but I think if Elizabeth Olsen has an Emmy submission episode, it's this episode. Uh, she's really great here constantly. Even if the accent stuff got me confused. So yeah, this gets me to my favorite part of the episode, which is the time travel through Wanda's life. Uh, I think what stuck out to me the most is that we finally got answers to things that have happened that were just rare, barely mentioned in the past. Um, and this actually made me feel more for Wanda. Um, so, uh, uh, Wanda's family watches the Dick Van Dyke show, which explains the relevance of the sitcoms. And WandaVision is about trauma and sitcoms are Wanda's mechanism of, of coping. Um, so that, that we finally got that answered, um, as to why, why sitcoms, you know, back in the, back in episode four. Why sitcoms? <laughs> um, okay. So, this will basically get to the crux of why this episode didn't work for me. Is, uh, I kind of wish it was a clip show. I feel like if it was a clip show, it would at least fit into the Wanda, uh, you know, what the WandaVision aesthetic is. Uh, but moreover, I think that without that parody element, this just feels like, it makes up for the issues I've had with Wanda's character throughout the entire MCU before this show. That's what this episode is. It's meant to retcon in a characterization for her. Because she really doesn't have any up before the show began. Uh, and that's why I always say... Uh, I always say Infinity War... Well, it doesn't... I, I think the Earth stuff in Infinity War sucks. Because it's all based on you caring about Wanda's and Vision's relationship. But you've been given no reason to care about it before. But now we get these bonding scenes between Wanda and Vision, and we get Wanda's backstory, and it's just like, oh, well, I guess I should have cared about her the whole time. No. <laughs> like, if they wanted me to care about Wanda, these scenes should have been there always. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's some of the, like, these first two flashbacks, the first two flashbacks in the episode, I don't really, like, okay, I get why we they're here, you know? There was no reason to cover this earlier in the show. Uh... And also, before I really get into my crocs, I do want to shout out a friend of mine who said that this episode is kind of like a Christmas Carol, with Wanda as uh, Scrooge mm-hmm. and Catherine Hahn as the various ghosts, and I I like that comparison. But I wish, like, again, it's like the, the show doesn't have any fun with it. And that's kind of why I wish it was a clip show too. Is like, and I get that, like, I'm like. <laughs> Okay, I'm also going to just call myself out there. I'm basically complaining that this episode that's about this woman's trauma isn't fun enough. <laughs> like, yeah, that's a ridiculous opinion for me to have. But it's not really the... That's not my opinion. My opinion is more that I wish the aesthetic of this show had been utilized more here. Because I think this show is constantly... I think the MCU has an aesthetic issue in general, right? I think 
essentially they all feel the same except for Guardians, Thor Ragnarok, and the show for a certain degree of it when it's actually being about sitcoms. I don't even think, I think Black Panther has issues. I think Endgame has issues establishing tone that's separate from the general MCU tone. And I think those are great movies, but their tone is just, you know, uh, and I think if this show, this episode had taken a Christmas Carol angle to it or a clip show angle to it, at least it would have, well, the clip show would have fit in the aesthetic of what we've seen so far. Uh, the Christmas Carol thing would have at least given Catherine Hahn something more to chew on, mm-hmm. you know? Rather than just recapping stuff. Maybe she was more taunting Wanda. I think she does taunt Wanda a bit in this, but it's all like, you know, it's re- it's exposition taunting. And that leads me to a point I want to make on why the episode fails entirely to me. And I'm quoting you from last week on our show talking about Iron Man. This is your direct quote oh, yeah. entirely. Uh, yep. In this case, Lex exposition would make for a stronger conflict in story. This episode is just entirely exposition without much of an emotional backbone to it until the Wanda and Vision scene uh, and then the uh, so the Wanda and Vision scene gives us the exposition we need and then also the very end when she gets to Westview gives us some emotion. But it's all a lot of the stuff in this episode covers stuff that we just assumed, right? We don't need to see Wanda's parents die because we know they died with a Stark missile going through their place. Like, it's a fact. We've seen it, right? Like, it's just, we don't need it. Like, and it reminds me of The Legend of Korra Season 1, which I don't think you've seen. Uh, In The Legend of Korra, I think Season okay. Uh, I'm not going to spoil it because I actually know a couple people listen to our podcast who are like are about to start Legend of Korra, but it has this issue where basically the first it's a 12 episode show, and the first 11 episodes do a really good job of building a story to the point where you're like, how is it going to wrap it up this well in two episodes? So you see the parallel, here, mm-hmm. right? And they use their second last episode to reveal all the villain's motivation. And this show, thankfully, thankfully, doesn't do that. I was really glad it didn't do that. Because uh, we don't need a lot of them. I think Agatha's motivation is fine enough. I think, as you said, she's jealous of Wanda. I think, for now, I think we'll get more motivation in the last episode. But I think, for now, that's enough. Um, we don't need more. Uh, but we don't need all this stuff of her being like, Oh, you were so sad your parents died and you used magic then. Or, oh, you were kind of suicidal, which is why you're okay with touching the Mind Stone. Uh, and then you saw this vision of yourself as the Scarlet Witch. Ah, ha, ha, ha. That's so cool. Like, we don't need this. Like, emotionally doing this is just such a... It's such a cop-out. That's what it is. It is a cop-out. Uh, and I don't want to go so far that this is going to ruin the whole show. Because it's still possible the show is a good finale. Now that we got all this exposition out of the way. But I think, again, it goes back to, like, what I was saying about Agatha is, like, the writers could have still had Aaron Taylor Johnson show up. This is a corner that the writers themselves have put themselves in. There is no reason we couldn't have had some of the stuff revealed earlier within the show. Uh, It is just meant so that way we have this grand reveal. Mm -hmm. But the grand reveal takes so long to get through. And I think only one reveal in this episode really works. And we'll, I'll, I'll get to that one because it's a note we have later on. And I'll talk about the one reveal in this episode that works to me when we get to it. But 
a lot of this just felt like a retcon. Uh, and it just felt like, again, making up for a lost amount of characterization didn't work. Because, okay, I hate to be like this, uh, but I'm specifically referring to Wanda apparently being a huge super fan of sitcoms her whole life. And, like, why, like... I don't want to be like, why didn't this come before? Because the reason it didn't come up before is because they didn't plan this show before. But, like, I'm sure the show was planned to a degree when Infinity War came out, right? So there's no reason we couldn't have, like, even, like, kind of throw a line of, like, do you want to go watch TV at the house, like, before Vision gets attacked? You know what I mean? Like, this stuff could have been seeded more. Uh, and it's just... I don't know. I also don't think us... I don't think the show needed to bluntly be like, oh, this episode was meant to be Malcolm in the Middle, and this show was meant to, episode was meant to be the Brady Bunch, you know what I mean? Like, and this episode was meant to be Dick Van Dyke. Like, we don't need it. The show itself gives it to us. Mm-hmm. And the speculation aspect of the show gives it to us. And it's just like, alright, whatever. No, we don't... I don't know. I think, it, I guess it just comes down to, I think this episode treated us like we were dumb. And I don't think it needed to. And I think it really comes down to also, like, I don't want to be like, it deserved better. Because I think the idea of me being like, this show deserved better than what this episode gave it is, like, kind of, uh, what's the word for it? It's kind of entitled. But I, I think that, as I said, I think this should be Elizabeth Olsen's Emmy submission episode. And I think she deserves better writing for it. I think. The fact that Elizabeth Olsen and Paul Bettany have been slumming it in these movies with underwritten characters for so long, and they finally get a chance to show their talent, and they've done it really well. I think the idea that if this ending, and this kind of goes more of last week, next week, I mean, like, they deserve, if the ending at the end, you know, like if it farts out at the end, it's going to be such a disappointment to the work they've been doing in it. They deserve better. Uh, and I think Wanda deserves better as a character, even within this show, to, to get stuff like this, where it's just such a... To me, it's lazy writing. I know you liked it. I'm sorry. And I know we're probably just going to move on and be like, well, I liked it, which is fine. Like, I'm glad you liked it. I wish I did. You well, know what I mean? Well, uh, I think the there's there's a good contrast here. Because, uh, are you done? Yeah, okay. I am. Yeah, uh, I am. This uh, episode... I'm sure I'll argue more, but <laughs> I'm done with my, my initial, like, Laying out on the table why I didn't like it. Uh, this episode hit much differently to me than other MCU properties have. Um, we've seen violence and terror terror on screen, but it has been while heroes are saving the day. Like, think of uh, First Avengers. Um, how terrible would it be? Th- like, put yourself in the shoes of a New York City resident and, you know, you're... You're about to eat lunch, and all of a sudden, this wormhole is opened, and this alien army comes through and just starts blowing oh. the city up. Like, <laughs> I'm sorry, I won't explain why I'm laughing for Okay. When you said the first Avenger, I was like, what happens with Captain America 1? And then I was oh. like, oh, the first, first Avenger. Okay, yeah. so, <laughs> that's why I'm laughing. Sorry, <laughs> okay. I was really confused for a anyways. second. I was like, wait, there's no wormhole in World War II. <laughs> <laughs> But anyways, sorry, but go so on. like I, I just wanted to explain. But, um, I wasn't just randomly laughing at you. <laughs> basically, the whole the whole movie is us watching the heroes save the day. The good outshines the bad, 
In other instances, horrible acts happen off-screen and we are not witness to them. Rather, we watch our heroes react to the bad while they save the day. For instance, uh, Age of Ultron gives us the story of how Wanda's parents died. Um, and But to me, in this movie, uh, this scene falls flat because it is two characters, Wanda and Pietro, who have already been framed as bad guys in the opening scene telling a sentient robot about their tragic past. It would have been more effective if they were talking to another human. Um, yeah. You know, or if they would have been talking to each other. Um, but rather, we we don't get that. And the, all of the characters that have this conversation, they were all introduced in this film. So we don't have, yeah, it, we don't have any connections. Yeah, over, too. Yeah, we don't have any connections it's just there. Like, it's kind of like, here's my motivation to hate Tony Stark. All right, we got to move on with the story. Yeah, so it's the human element is missing from that particular scene, which yeah, actually okay, yeah, gives us this. It gives us this big reveal as to uh, Wanda and Pietro's um, past. So this could have been pulled off well if we would have had more time with the Maximoff twins before that point in the film. You know, give us a little bit of uh, Quicksilver in the deleted scenes for Ultron. Quicksilver was supposed to be have a lot more uh, funnier scenes, and uh, and we know if like from the comics that Quicksilver is a he's supposed to be a funny guy. We see that in the X Men Quicksilver. I was say, you we know, see that with Peter Maximoff. Yeah, I was like, we see that with Peter Maximoff, <laughs> and we get a hint of it in the final cut of Age of Ultron. But, uh, but the reason... Yeah, yeah, I think about his line in Age of Ultron where he goes, like, you didn't see that coming. And I realize, you know, I, I read an idea a few weeks ago where, like, wouldn't it have been great if, like, Evan Peters' first line in the show during his review was, like, you didn't see that coming? Yeah, and that would have been, 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 great... been fantastic. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> the reason that the death of Wanda's parents has a much harder impact on the audience in this few minutes of a 47 minute episode is that we actually see the terror through the eyes of the children they had an established family tradition of watching sitcoms together and the family very clearly loved each other very much and we the audience we know what's coming the whole time though like as soon as we as uh they all sat down i turned to to my wife, Felicia, and I told her, I said, it's going to come through the ceiling. And she said, what? And I said, the to the Tony Stark bomb, the Stark Industries bomb. And I was like, we're watching the moment of when her parents were killed. And it's just reached, like, it's that inevitable sense of dread of, you know, this moment is coming, but they, but they built this moment as to have this loving family gathering together for this evening of sitcoms watching sitcoms together um which is something that a lot of um people take I take for yeah, granted um... is this is this um time to spend spend an evening with with your loved ones you know and so we we can all relate to that and i th yeah and i think it's interesting because this is me actually being positive for once about this episode, Tyler. Be be, be ready for it. <laughs> I think this scene, um, 
I think most of the flashback scenes work. I think the reason they I don't like the episode is because Catherine Hunt feels the need to explain them to me yeah. afterwards. Yeah. You know? Um Well, I don't actually think the I don't think the Hydra one works, but anyway. <laughs> this one does. Um and I think it works because of what you're saying, and I think it works even in a meta sense that you just you just told me, right? You you spent the evening and you spend every Friday night watching an episode of Wandavision. Exactly. Yeah. Right? With your wife. Uh, I don't because I live alone, but I know a lot of I know a lot of people who like have children, and it's like, uh, yeah, every Friday night, even though the episode's on early, we we make a pizza, we sit down, we watch the episode of Wandavision, and then we talk about it afterwards, and it's like a family thing to do during the pandemic, uh, and even that kind of has parallels in this episode because it's like, um, you know, there's clearly a war going on outside their house, but you know, they're still making time to be a family. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, I think it's a very evocative idea. And I also agree with what you say. It reminded, the way you say that reminds me of like a movie like Argo or Judas and the Black Messiah, where like, you know the history behind it and like in a different way. Well, actually Argo is not comparable because Argo, you know, they're going to be okay. Right. Because you know, it's a story about like how it wouldn't be a movie if they weren't successful. Right. right? Yeah. <laughs> if they failed it, they like, we want to make this, but in Judas and the Black Messiah, like you, or yeah, in Judas and the Black Messiah, you know, Fred Hampton dies at 21. And if you don't, then you need to do some history lessons. Sorry. Spoilers. <laughs> but you know Fred Hampton's going to die at the end of the movie. But the sequence is still very tense. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think, well, I think it's very silly for me to be comparing this to a movie about Fred Hampton. But my point is more that, like, you know that's a sign of a good thing if there's tension there. Uh, to me, though, it wasn't tension here. It was dread. Because uh, you knew it was coming. Yeah. And I was like, wow, I wonder how, like, brutal this is going to be. Um and I also think this scene works compared to the upper ones is because, uh, and it goes with what I was saying about Aaron Taylor Johnson is like, we get to see Petro here. We get to see her family here. Uh, yeah, I, I thought it was a good sequence. And I think also this is, this is me going to our, uh, you know how last week I was like, I'm throwing out red herrings. Um, cause I was like the, uh, the friend, you know, like the aero engineer, mm-hmm. space engineer was red herring. I think the commercial people were red herring because the obvious reveal was going to be, oh, this is Wanda's family yeah. uh, from when she was a kid, and it's not. Nope. Um, also, I think this kind of kills uh, the theory that, uh, no offense, I think this kills your Fassbender theory. Yeah, yeah, I do too. Because I don't think it can be, obviously that's not Michael Fassbender <laughs> in that scene, right? <laughs> Unless, wait, and it wasn't but, a big enough actor but, that you could bring him back. But they, to uh, what if they have a fake Magneto? What <laughs> fake Magneto? Fake Magneto, Magneto comes like, back. Like, Disney just and at the end of the episode, Bob Iger just walks in and goes like, "Just so you know, those Fox movies were fake. Here's Michael Fassbender. Yeah, I'm fake Magneto." <laughs> and, the, and then we also get Kevin Feige to pop up afterwards, and he's like, "Like and subscribe." I'm the real one. <laughs> I'm not Simon Kinberg. <laughs> Uh, no one listening to this knows who Simon Kinberg is. He's the guy who directed Dark Phoenix and wrote Days of Future Past and Apocalypse. <laughs> but yeah, anyway. Uh, yeah, we can move but, on. But yeah. <laughs> it was a good scene. It, I'll give it credit. Mm-hmm. That was a good scene. And I think that's, that's, I think that's, the, that's the one that, to me, I was like, we needed, we needed this moment. Even though... Um, even though like yes this should have been fleshed out better already before wandavision came along um 
I we definitely needed this moment if they wanted us to care more for Wanda. Um, so yeah, but anyways, I thought that it was very interesting that Wanda has been a witch the whole time, and yeah, that was a retcon I didn't mind. Yeah, uh, I I, th- I thought it know? was very interesting, and I was kind of like, well, then I guess she. I, I don't know. I'm thinking Pietro how like did he didn't have the quick speed the whole time. So, you know, did he get his yeah, powers no, from like, the mind stone? Well, I think there's a difference between I think there's a difference between what Wanda's powers are from the Infinity Stone mm-hmm. to the idea of her having witch powers. You know what I mean? Okay. Like it's it's like how um in Doctor Strange, right? We know Doctor Strange has always had the ability to like, that's what's implied in Doctor Strange, is, like, all these... Every human has the ability to be a sorcerer if they really put their mind mm-hmm. to it. Um, actually, I don't know. This kind of gets... Okay. I want to talk about a writer of mine and one of his pet peeves, and I agree with it, is that... Um, do you know who Film Cred Hulk is? Which is always a fun word to say. He's think, a writer. I don't think so. Okay, he's a writer. He's actually been doing recaps of WandaVision. I don't read them until after we done re- we're done recording ever. But he has this thing that he always talks about that he hates the idea of a chosen one. Unless, like, the movie exists to subvert the idea. Which, the go-to examples I always use for that is the Lego movie really subverts the idea of there being a chosen one. Um... And so does Blade Runner 2049. And I don't know if you've seen either of those. Movies. I have. I've seen both. Oh, I didn't know. I, I, I figured you'd seen Lego. I didn't know if you'd seen Blade Runner 2049. Mm-hmm. But anyways, both those movies really work to subvert the idea of there is a chosen one. Uh, like, higher... And, like, the counterpoint to that would be The Rise of Skywalker. Where also The Last Jedi exists to subvert the uh, chosen one narrative. And I think... We we said we won't talk about. It. I think though, with all your misgivings of Last Jedi, you don't have an issue with it saying that Ray is a nobody, right? I have. Please tell me. I have an don't. issue with everything that film is. No, no, I'm joking. <laughs> um, no, I thought that that was actually a breath of fresh air. With yeah, exactly. You know, like because it's we've been from the beginning of Star Wars. Whether you watch four, five, six, and then the prequels, um, or you know, however you you watch the films. No matter where you start, it's always this, it's the chosen one, or this person's going to restore balance, or this person, yeah. it's To risk talking too much about Star Wars, I think the original Star, like A New Hope, if you just watch A New Hope, I don't think it has that, you know? Yeah. Because you don't know who, you just say, oh, your father was a good Jedi. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean, like... It just means your father was a... Well, actually, does he even say... You know what I mean? No, like, but as you, as you progress through that original trilogy, like, yeah, yeah, you yeah. end up getting to... You end to up getting that. there, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That there's a bloodline yes. of stuff. Yep. Uh, and I like that The Last Jedi removed that, and I like that the Lego movie very explicitly says the idea of a chosen one is stupid. And I like that Blade Runner 2049 has a plot twist... Spoiler, I guess, but the movie's four years old at this point. Three or four years old at this point. Uh, the plot twist is like, no, you're not the chosen one. Why would you think that? Uh, you know, like, I like narratives like that. My hope is, like, I hope Wanda isn't, like, being considered. Like, because that's kind of what the vibe I got with at the end of the episode where Agnes is like, you are the Scarlet Witch. 
which mm-hmm. I got very much a. Uh, uh, I really hope they're not saying that like Wanda was always chosen to be like the super powerful witch. I hope it's something where it's more like the Infinity Stones enhance that aspect yeah. of her. Uh, I don't like the idea of people being naturally born to be better, even though I guess that's what the mutants are about. But the difference with the mutants is like it has the discrimination element. Mm-hmm. Uh, so well, it's and a that's, bit more okay. And that's the world itself is like I hate that. Narrative. That's the <laughs> that's the platform. X Men is the platform that Marvel Comics used to address those issues in society yeah you know the difference with the mutants is is like the narrative itself is like humans hate the idea of this chosen one narrative so it's okay uh because so they're not chosen people they're not chosen ones because it's like no that's awful and i also think uh what's it spider-verse does a good job of addressing the chosen one narrative of sucking like it it's dumb I think uh, whenever we talk about the na- chosen one narrative, you got to bring up the Matrix, mm-hmm. uh, and I think the Matrix is still good. <laughs> I just want to—I want to close the chosen one some discussion with like film. the Matrix is still a good movie. It's just the movies that ripped it off that suck. Uh, but yeah, but anyway, do you want to continue talking about Wanda being a witch? Um, I'm like, what? What? Are, what are witches in the? Yeah, MCU? yeah, and that's kind of what I was. I was thinking, I was like, do witches get their power from the same source as Doctor Strange and those sorcerers, or do they get it from a much more traditional source, uh, such as the devil, or in this case, Mephisto? See, okay, before we get into Mephisto, I want to say that I thought it really was a missed opportunity. Again, this goes with the exposition aspect of this episode. It would have been so easy just to do, like, a shorthand version of, like doctor strange right Mm -hmm. like we didn't need all this technical detail about uh we didn't need all this technical detail of like this is what witches are and this is what hexes are uh we could have just been like Catherine Hawk could have been like you know your wizard friend because i know people might be like oh but wanda doesn't really know Doctor strange and they probably talked at the funeral you know like they weren't total like they probably interacted briefly she probably saw him during the end game fight we could have just had that shorthand for exposition. I thought that it was a missed opportunity at the beginning of the... With the opening scene, I thought we were going to get an, allu- an allusion to Mephisto there. I thought that was maybe like a temp... A, uh, not a temple, an altar for Mephisto. Um, I thought we were going to get kind of a like a source of where their power was. But that brought in just a little bit more of mystery. Um I'm still pulling for Mephisto. I don't think we've seen the big bad of this series come around just yet. See, I disagree. Well, or rather, I mean, okay. I think it's possible that after the credits next week, we see a reveal that Agatha has been working for Mephisto the whole time. But do I think Mephisto will actually be an element of this show? No, because I think that's really poor storytelling. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I think the idea of introducing there's someone else behind this all along in the the finale itself would be such a weak thing, especially when we have two antagonists. We have Agatha and we have the sword guys. Uh, yeah, I disagree. I'm sorry. I just, I, I, I'm officially removing myself from the Mephisto train. I'm sorry. It's gone. All right, you detached. Uh, I, I just don't think there's enough time left, even if we had an hour long episode next week. What about that Hydra? flashback well my initial thing is 
first, I already said what I said with Aaron Taylor Johnson not being there. It's ludicrous because it's clearly written around him being in it. Uh, and re- related to that is I think Thomas Crushman isn't doing much. I think a lack of a cameo for him was also weird. Uh, yeah, that was basically my thing. Is like, why are these Hydra people here? Uh, I just... Catherine Hahn says to her, Agatha says, like, oh, so your parents got blown up, so you joined a terrorist organization. She's like, we were trying to change the world. What? Yeah. <laughs> Why is that included in this episode? Yeah, I thought that was weird. Why is that line here? Are we trying to justify our hero being part of it? Like, what? Like, uh, politically, that just so bothers me. It is a Nazi organization. Her being like, oh, I was just trying to change the world. No, no, that's not okay. That line should not have been included in this episode, and I'm so bothered it was. Um, that's one big reason the Hydra flashback doesn't work. The other reason it doesn't work is because, to me, it's just, like, it's so ridiculous. It's so over the top. It's like, oh, should we tell her that everyone's died doing this? Uh, turn off your mic, man. Like, what? <laughs> like, these are high-up Nazis. They know what they're, like, they, they wouldn't be making these mistakes. Mm-hmm. It's stupid. It's a dumb scene. Yeah. And I get why it's there. I get that they want to show us her origin. It could have been executed as a lot of things this episode way better, but very actually, honestly, specifically, this is the worst flashback in the show. This is the worst flashback this episode. It is executed horribly on that. Yeah, level. I agree. I agree. Okay, good. We agree. Yeah, this no, <laughs> this this flashback, like visually, it looked it looked cool, but yeah. also I'll give it that. I was like, yay, we got more Mind Stone stuff. Yay, Infinity Stones for everyone. To me, the only reveal in this scene. The only reveal in this scene is um, that she's watching a sitcom in her cell afterwards. Mm-hmm. Again, that goes back to my thing where it's like, okay, you know what I mean? Oh, and I guess the image of like Scarlet Witch in the the stone, I guess, makes sense. But it's just, I don't know. I didn't like it. I'll, we both didn't like yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. So during the third flashback, Vision tells Wanda that grief is love persevering um and what a great scene. I, I thought that was we just talking about it like... was a really great scene and also uh i just thought that that played played really well with your uh talk about grief about this show being about grief yeah and um i want to mention um i think this scene also worked really well because this show really hasn't had many scenes with the two of them together since their argument at the end of the fifth episode Mm -hmm. and i think that dynamic it reminded us why we like them and that's why you know there's a lot of people obviously we don't think this because we both really like the first two episodes of the show there's a lot of people who are like this show got really good at episode four but to me we needed those first three episodes because they're the reason i care about wand and vision more so than this flashback episode i care about them because i think they're an they're quite an unusual couple, but they, I don't know, they're just very, they're likable, you mm-hmm. know? And especially knowing, like, knowing their backstory, not talking about this episode, but knowing their MCU backstory, seeing them be happy is good. Like, it, it's not necessarily cathartic, because like I said, I don't think you really care about them. You, you know, I don't really care about them, not you. Um... But I think it's nice, and I think it was nice to see them together again in something more of a serious scene. It reminded me kind of of the flip side, but in a positive sense to the Vision and uh, 
this in an Ultron scene. Mm-hmm. At the end of Age of Ultron. But, uh, I think... But yeah, it's a good scene. That's my point. <laughs> it's a good... So, so we know that Wanda created this vision that's in the Hex. Um, I, I say that I think the newly created vision will come out of this alive, and Wanda will have him back. But I know Danny thinks... Well... Thinks differently... I think if that happened, I would be that. This is going to be as blunt as possible, mm-hmm. Tyler. That is the ending that I'm referring to as this would make the entire show not worth my time. Yeah. No, no, it, like it was this. It was I, this line that really brought this into my head because I don't want Vision to come back because when I one thing about. Uh, a show there's a particular show um called supernatural that has this thing <laughs> of killing off characters at the end of the season and then bringing them back in the first episode of the next season and that cheapens their death um to where they i mean in that show they actually end up making fun of themselves cuz they're like they're like oh how many times have you died or yeah but anyways, I, um, there's a very big danger of Marvel going that. Yeah, way, and I I, like. I really hope they avoid that because the comics ha- have delved into that quite a bit. Um, so I know I, James Gunn has gone on record for saying he will never let them revive Yondu, mm-hmm. and so is Michael Rooker, and I think that's really important because well, I think of all the deaths in the MCU, the only one that's actually mattered like emotionally was Yondu's. Uh, and I know people will be like, but Tony's death. I'm like, mm, it didn't hit as hard as Yondu's did to me. Tony's death hit to me more because there's actually, whenever we talk about Endgame, we will we'll probably be really emotional. There's a, there's a shot at the end of Endgame that always makes me cry. And I think it will make me cry more the next time I watch it because it's the shot of them going back to Wakanda. And now that I know that's the last shot of uh, Chadwick Boseman in the MCU, that's going to hit very different now. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, it's gonna hit even worse. Uh, but yeah, uh, I think I think if you bring someone back, there has to be consequences. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think if the MCU has brought someone back with consequences. Yeah, because the thing is, is like, oh, how dare they do a Loki show? Yes, but it's about a Loki who's been character reset back to 2012. Yeah, so there's a con- consequence there. Or Gamora, Gamora, that's mm-hmm. the big one. Gamora, like she's back, but she doesn't have any character development anymore which is horrible for everyone who's their friend right Right. um because it's very obvious that peter quill still loves her peter still loves her and i think nebula does too i think it's going to be i think guardians 3 is going to be interesting Mm -hmm. in a ton of ways i think i'm really excited for it i think uh now i'm gonna i want to be like all right i'll just keep it very brief i love nebula i think her development in the mcu is by far Honestly, probably the best development any character has gotten in the MCU, uh, which is pretty impressive considering how terrible she is as a character in the first Guardians. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I really can't wait to see what's up for her next. Um, but anyway, um, which is why I think if Vision does survive, it's going to be jumping ahead a bit to the gray Vision that we see in the post credit scene. I think that might stick around. Mm-hmm. Uh and then there's consequences, right? Right. And then if we do get an eventual WandaVision season two, 
it'll be about Wanda trying to fix that vision to be hers. Because mm-hmm. uh, jumping ahead in speculation, uh, this isn't the. This is, and this isn't actually my written speculation in the episode. I think it's very possible. The finale is like, the hex goes away, and the plot for Doctor Strange 2 is is that Wanda goes with him into the multiverse to search for her children. Um, and then after she gets her children back, she's going to want Vision back. And that would be what a potential WandaVision Season 2 could be. Uh, but I think for now... If Grey Vision survives, he'll be in Armor Wars. Yeah. Uh, because he seems that he would be a tool of the government. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, and... And if you can create one Vision after that, can't you make multiple? Like, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, that's how these shows always work. Like, we have one, we can make well, multiple. And, and you have the complications of Wanda, or Wanda. Wakanda has revealed itself to the world. So now they're, the world's very much aware that there's more vibranium. Do you think they're going to make a clone of Visions? Um, know, army of Visions? I don't think Wakanda's that nefarious. So that's my No, I don't, think, I don't think Wakanda would would make the clones. What I'm saying is that uh, S.W.O.R.D. or another, another actor, bad actor, could come in and take that vibranium from Wakanda and then use it for their own own purposes such as creating an army of vibranium super soldiers you know yeah um i don't want vision to come back because like i said it would cheapen his sacrifice in infinity war it would cheapen one development cheapen, of the show. exactly it would cheapen this whole show i was that just thought had come across my mind when uh, he said grief is love persevering and i i was like i hope you're being metaphorical and that her grieving well, over him is just her really showing how much she really loved him. And, yeah, that's how I know, interpreted the line. I think, I think if Vision was to stick around, that would defeat the point of that line. The mm-hmm. point of that line is that, like, since you miss them so much when they're gone, but that means you still love them so much when they're gone. And if... Yeah... I, I think if Vision stuck around afterwards, then Wanda would be saying love should not persevere. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then I also think, this is me tying into a character that's not in this episode. Um, I'm curious if there's a way they can tie this line into Monica's resolution. Uh, I still think, I don't know. Monica's my big question mark with what the finale is going to mm-hmm. be. I don't know how she'll be implemented. Uh, and I'm a little worried about it. But anyway, uh, my side note is uh, it took it's taking Vision quite a long time to fly back to his house, uh, <laughs> which explains the plot blocking from last week because it turned out he couldn't even be at home in this one. Right. Uh, <sighs> that's all. I have to, I, it just gets a long sigh. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, um, yeah. This one's and that's annoying. <laughs> yeah, and that, it, I didn't even think about it. Um, because of how well my attention was kept with this episode, I didn't even think about it while watching it until I saw your note uh, this morning about it. And then I was like, you know what? You make a really good point. Because, yes, flying. So, uh, anyways, what do you think about that note left in Wanda's car during the flashback? 
All right, so here is the really interesting thing there is I was texting my friends about it, as I said earlier, uh, and I brought up this thing, and everyone was like, what are you talking about? Like, and I'm like, you know this, and I found a picture of it, and I sent it, they're like, oh, I wouldn't overthink that. I think it's just something Vision Boffer. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like, to me, okay, the camera lingers on it for a bit. Wanda looks confused by mm-hmm. it. Uh, and furthermore, like, okay, let's say it is something Vision Boffer, right? For them to grow old and it's very sweet it's very nice uh but <laughs> the last time wanda saw vision alive we see their last few hours together like the and infinity war does not leave them they're thinking of running off into europe wanda is still currently a war criminal at that point not allowed in the u.s why would vision buy a place in new jersey it makes no sense for this to be Vision New Ball. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I guess it could be something where it's like, no, that's actually what happened. I'd be, I'd be very surprised. Because I think, as much as I'm claiming about this episode being sloppy, I think that is sloppy in a different sense in that it would be ignoring the continuity of the MCU entirely. Because mm-hmm. as I said, in Infinity War, we see what the last few hours are together. At no point of this vision, like, let's go live in New Jersey. Or like, let's, or even like, let's go back and live in America, right? He's 100% on board with like, all right, we got to go on the run permanently. Uh, to the point where I'm like, I don't know why he would buy a place in New Jersey. Yeah. Yeah, it was, uh, when I saw the letter, I that was the first time. After she comes out of the S.W.O.R.D. headquarters and gets and gets into her car. That was the first time I've I had seen the letter. I did like how um I don't know you don't engage on Twitter, but uh the one thing I did see that went kind of viral with this episode is like, wow, Wanda's got a nice little car. I never knew she could drive. Right. <laughs> but uh <laughs> wonder when she learned that. Yeah. Okay, so my impression of Agatha is from this episode is she's known about Wanda for quite some time. Uh but she has been wanting to see that's actually what I thought was interesting about this episode, because you know, Agatha is considered to be Wanda's mentor in the comics, and this seems to be much more villainous, but she still seemed very much like a villainous mentor this episode. That's like the one thing I was like, oh, okay, I see how they're adapting this. That makes sense. Um, to me, it makes sense, because from what we see, it looks like that most of the episode takes place in Agatha's basement, where Wanda and Agatha are clearly like in an ancient rune type of mm-hmm. area. So maybe Westview has that underneath it anyway. And Agatha's like, ooh, here's how I would write it badly, which I'm not going to rule out. It's like Agatha knows Westview is a place of strong magical importance and goes, this might amplify Wanda's ability and I want to see what Wanda will do. And then she's very disappointed. She's not surprised, but she's disappointed to see that Wanda does the sitcom thing. You Mm -hmm. know? Um... And that, to me, is why I think Westview is what it is. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I wonder if the site of Wanda's house is important. Um, I wonder what was there before, uh, before, obviously, it was just the ground, and then she had to rebuild a house, or to build a house, where whatever it was that was there before. But... I think that's a question we won't get answered. Yeah, I mean, it's just like, I, a, huh? I wonder. Yeah, you know, I don't. I don't think we'll be. Yeah, answered. I think if we get anything, it it would be an, East, an Easter egg of some sort. So, um, but then yeah. we get 
the big reveal, uh, Hayward set Wanda up, and she did not steal Vision's body. I actually, okay, I want to give credit to this reveal. This is a reveal that none of us, we none of us saw coming. coming. No. I was actually very pleasantly surprised that this show still managed to surprise me, because I like, it's kind of like, I don't know, uh, it's kind of like an unreveal, right? It seemed like, it seems now like, oh, duh, of course it's obvious, um... But I like it a lot. I like the idea that Vision is a construct of Wanda entirely. Uh, and I like the misdirection they've given us mm-hmm. for it. Uh, especially with the shot at the end of episode four of Dead Vision, where we just assumed, oh, she's puppeteering his corpse. Right. And she's not. Yeah, uh, the misdirection's been really good. Yeah. Uh, I think it's a reveal that really works. I think it's probably the best part of this episode is the creation of Westview. Um, and then realizing, oh, cool. So, okay. I also think, I want to go back a little bit. Uh, I think Hayward sucks as a character, but I actually thought he was all right in this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, it actually, this episode made me feel like, uh, my basic take was like, man, I wish Hayward was written this, like, decently the entire time. Because I felt like he was a bit more complex than usual. Because he's like, yeah, you can look at him. And, like, you know, like, he, I don't think he was being unreasonable. Mm-hmm. You know? He was being a jerk. But it's his job to be do that, you know? Um, and I honestly thought he was way wise, not, way nicer to Wanda than I was expecting him to be from previous episodes in the flashback to uh, the S.W.O.R.D. headquarters. Yeah. Um, I was like, man, I really wish his character was always written like this. As, I, I don't want to say it's nuanced, because it still isn't that nuanced, but it's not... You know what I mean? It's decent. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I like this reveal. Uh, it's the one thing that I didn't see coming for the finale. And I'm like, oh, okay. And that's also why I don't think it's Mephisto anymore. To me, the big reveal, if it was Mephisto, we would have got it this episode, right? Mm-hmm. But instead we get the big reveal, which is the post credit scene. Which, do you have more you want to say about the Hayward reveal? No. no we it move was on? just Because I want to say something before it the post Well, I've seen... Um... I've seen some discourse that some people think that Hayward may be setting up, and th- this went a lot more with the with um, the mutant theory of that Hayward is more of a Trask um, character, Peter yeah, Trask. Peter Dinklage, and uh, in that he's actually creating the Sentinels, which are responsible for the death of all mutants. Um, but I, I can see a basis for that starting here, but I don't. I think, like you said earlier, it's going to lead more into Armor Wars, and I think Hayward's Hayward's uh, just a. I think he's he's just our uh, one of the bad guys in this. Yeah. yeah. Uh, before we get to the post credit scene, I want to just talk about the credits really briefly. Uh, first off, uh, we haven't shouted it out much in the show, but I think the score of this show is really good, mm-hmm. uh, which is unusual because, as I st- we said before, I think Marvel has an issue of good scores. But I think Wanda's main theme has been really good. That's the big thing. I'm not talking about the theme songs. I'm talking about like the Wanda theme that plays every credits. Yeah. Um, but also this episode, I let it play a bit because I was I just was I just didn't turn off Disney Plus quick enough, and it played a really like beautiful orchestrated track about that just sounded sounded very mournful. I really liked it. I was like, oh, that's nice. Uh, but yeah, good MCU score. Uh, 
I'm not optimistic about uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier there because that has Henry Jackman doing it, who's the guy who did Civil War. And uh, I think he's really bad. Oh. <laughs> he's really not a good composer, in my opinion. Uh, so I'm not being optimistic there. Um, and then I want to talk briefly about, I don't know if you remember a few weeks ago, I think I mentioned the billing on the mm-hmm. show and how it switches off Paul Bettany and Elizabeth Olsen for who's billed yeah. first. It cracked me up, though, because Paul Bettany is billed first this episode. And he's barely in it. <laughs> no, I get why though, because you know, like if you switching off every episode makes sense to give a little. I think she should get top building period to giving it for her first and last episode makes mm-hmm. sense. Um, but it's just funny <laughs> to see Paul Bettany built first for this episode where it's clearly Elizabeth Wilson. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, there's my little little thing about the credits. So what what did um, you think about uh, in that post credit scene? What did you think about Hayward's vision? I think I called it. I called great vision. That's what I think. <laughs> I think I think we'll get some vision, uh, vision, 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 uh, vision versus vision. Uh, this vision is not the same vision who died in Infinity War. Um, there's definitely going to be some, like, okay, physically. I mean, I think he is physically. Body. Yeah, that's he what is... I mean, physically. But this. This, this gray vision is not going to be the same vision personally. Yeah. Yeah. Who died in Infinity War. I think he's going to be a lot more um, set on whatever he's programmed to do, which I'm going to assume is to take out Wanda. So, hey, we may actually get some Wanda V vision, although it, it would That's be true. Wanda yeah, versus might, gray vision. I might get what I wanted. Yeah. That's true. Um, I just want to say, involving this post-credit scene, is it is a good power counterpoint to our discussion last week about what makes a good and a bad post-credit scene. Because I thought last week was really bad. I think this structurally works as a really good mm-hmm. post-credit scene. And it is a nice cliffhanger. And I also don't think it's necessary. Like, you know, like and that, that's a good thing. Uh, I think if next episode, when Grey Vision shows up in the fight... Uh, we're gonna get a quick exposition from Hayward, whoever sends him in, like, what happened. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so it's not necessary, but it is a good tease for next week. And it, it does, it gives us interesting implications that Pietro getting Monica does not. I think the reason we had the Pietro scene last week is to explain why Monica wasn't in this week's episode. Mm. Um, but I also, as I said, I think that could have been the episode proper. So, but yeah, it was a good post credit scene. Uh, got me hyped. Uh, for the finale. And speaking of which, predictions for next week. So, I think that we're going to get an hour-long episode. Because I think we need an hour-long episode. We've needed... Yeah, we've had that rant before. So anyways, we need we'll get to. an hour-long episode. <laughs> finally. Um, we'll see some vision versus vision. And just because I'm the conductor of this Mephisto train between you and I... I think we will get the Mephisto reveal. I actually like more of what you were saying, where maybe he's just kind of a background guy, and Agatha is the one behind it all, and she's just reporting to him. I like that better. Um, I, I definitely want Mephisto in the MCU soon, because he can play so well with... He has so many comic lines that they can base off of with all of the other characters. 
I still think he'll be in Loki. Yeah, yeah. No, I, d- I definitely. Yeah, yeah. I think he'll be in Loki, and that's what I'll start when we get to when we get to covering Loki. The Mephisto train will be once again the on the track. Time watching Falcon and Winter Soldier, you're gonna be like, why aren't we talking about we'll Loki? Be like, now? guys, Mephisto. where's Mephisto? Where's Mephisto? Yeah. <laughs> um. So so yeah. Even though the Mephisto train is uh currently on the fast pace to hit a a wall um i will i will proudly (laughs) be the conductor of that train lead it into the wall and then we'll reverse it for loki so anyways uh what are your thoughts uh well i actually think it will be longer than an hour uh knock on wood uh i think there's way too much to resolve Mm -hmm. here uh even in an hour i think it will be rushed if they try to do it in an hour because we clearly are going to have a vision, a fight against Grey Vision, because we have to have a big MCU fight. Um, I think we need a lot of catharsis between Wanda and her version of Vision. I think the Hex needs to go away, because I don't think Doctor Strange 2 will be about the Hex already existing. Yeah. Um, I think... Well, and they don't, they don't uh, mention it. We also need to get Monica in there somehow. Mm-hmm. And we need a good payoff to her grief, which that I don't think we're going to get. No. Uh, I think the show is going to drop the ball there. Uh, <laughs> I think we will get two post credit scenes. I think one of them will be related to Wanda particularly, uh, or maybe Grey Vision. And the second one, or, or another one will be about like who is behind it all. If it is, as I said, Mephisto is behind Agatha. I think that will be relegated to a post credit scene. Uh, I think, yeah... I just think we'll have two post-credit scenes for one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have no clue how Darcy and Jimmy are going to play into this end game at all. Um, yeah, because we've really not seen much. Uh, we've not definitely not seen much of Jimmy um, for a little while now. And I'm with gonna... Darcy, she, I mean, <laughs> she's had. You know, I just found something funny. I realized is if Darcy shows up in the finale like ten minutes after Vision, because I'll be because like, she's man, been that's delayed the whole time. <laughs> Well, no, no, but she, like, it, it'll be only ten minutes after Vision shows up. Like, so it's like, if she wasn't delayed that much then, really. Vision could have stayed in the car. Like, that's well, my hey, point, is, like, Vision's been taking so long to get I just there. thought of this. Um, you, like, with you talking about Vision taking forever to get to want to Wanda's house, it makes a really good point. What if, what I had said earlier about Piet, fake Pietro is actually good... He's going to be helping Monica, and Monica and Fake Pietro uh, stop Vision, and they're like, "Hey, we gotta go, we gotta go to save the day." And maybe that's where Vision right is, that. you know. But I'm curious how you do that as a reveal. To me, that yeah. would be the reveal that you include in this episode mm. to get us prepped for the finale. Right. The idea, the thing is. Is it structure, right? How are we going to structure this as a finale that feels on its mm-hmm. own? And that's what I'm worried about. I think if there is a gr- grand reveal, it's going to be actually someone disguised as Evan Peters as a bad guy. But I really don't know. Mm-hmm. And as I said, uh, I just hope it's good. Because it would really be a bummer if it blows, if it doesn't stick the landing. And, I, and my opinion is this episode we just had uh, is on our way to not sticking the landing. Uh, and I also have it written down that if I don't cry at this, it will get enough. Not really, but uh, I cried at Guardians too. I cried at Endgame. So the MCU can make me cry. Um, and I think this story, if it doesn't, it kind of fails because it's about grief. Mm-hmm. 
And if we don't have a good emotional catharsis, like, what was the point of it all? Uh, and then we're going to do one last check-in before we wrap up here is on our Paul Bettany speculation. Uh, so we can rule out some stuff from last week. As I said, I think we can rule out Michael Fassbender. Yep. So Fass. multiverse theory is out. Michael Fassbender is a Magneto. Uh, I think you don't. I would rule out the Al Pacino, Richard E. Grant theories because I don't think we're going to get Mephisto. Because the thing is, this person has to have scenes with Vision. Mm-hmm. That was it. It's like, it has to have scenes. I don't think either of those characters will have scenes with Vision. Uh, I am very pro-Dick Van Dyke theory now that this episode yeah. put, did a huge in, uh, huge focus on it. I still don't know who we'd play, but that would make a lot of sense. Uh, could still be Baron Mordo popping up. Could still see Talos popping up. Uh, I don't see how Talos would have a lot of scenes with Vision. Um, well, see... We could see um, Talos, Talos uh, meet back up with uh, with Monica, and and, and then Vision has, like I said earlier, Vision met up with Monica and fake Pietro, and uh, they all gather. I just together don't know how way. you'd work that into writing. Yeah, structurally. Yeah, oh, I don't know. Like, that's why I, I'm sure, not doing maybe. the writing, but. <laughs> <laughs> That's not my job. Right? <laughs> um, I will. I do want to point out the joke theory that I've seen going around, which honestly could be true. Maybe Paul Bettany was joking. Is what if Paul Bettany's always wanted to work with Paul Bettany? That's true. Because now we have. Yeah. Yeah. He's gonna have a few scenes of himself. Uh, it's possible. Maybe he was joking. Which would be honestly, I, I'd be down for that. I think it's funny to prank. That would the, be the biggest. That would be the, the biggest troll. Yes. Yeah, I think Paul it's Bettany fun. would I think be it's my hero. To troll the fan base. <laughs> Uh, I'd be okay with it, you know? Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't be disappointed. I'd be like, oh, I see what you did there. <laughs> but anyway, so next week is the finale. What, what, which means also next week we're going to have a lot of, uh, interesting stuff going on here about, yeah. You'll see. Yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> thank you for listening to this week's episode of Why Is with Ty and Dan. You can catch us on various podcasting platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and on our website, whyiswithtydan.buzzsprout.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at whyiswithtyand1, because I'm number one. And you can follow me, Danny Vincent, on Letterboxd at blank mints for reviews of movies including those not in the MCU. Although I'll let you know one thing, I definitely went more in-depth on our writer's odyssey here than in my review of it there. <laughs> right. Join us next week for the WandaVision series finale. Bump, bump, bump. Please stand by.